Hello and welcome to the IWO podcast, available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Uh, a solo podcast this week. It's just me here this week, as James is currently at Eurogamer. Uh, hopefully, having a great. I'm gonna. Also, I'm gonna close, I've got a bad echo in my headphones. I'm gonna close this door. Don't know if that's made any difference. Actually, it does sound quite a bit better in my head. Maybe you will hear none of the echo. Who is to know? But all you need to know, James is not here this week. He'll be back next week. Um, this might be a bit later than usual. I've had a very long day, and I'm gonna do it now so this podcast may be a bit shorter because james isn't here and also i've got work in the morning and i want to go to bed so sorry if i sound like i'm rushing through things but hopefully we will we will cover everything and go into as much detail as we can i'm currently nursing a vodka red bull to keep me awake to get me through the podcast so any pauses you do here is just me taking a drink what we're gonna do uh, let's hit the news. Quick fire. Big news this week. Eric Bischoff is out. He's been there for about three months, four months. He was announced to be the head of creative behind SmackDown Live. We spent weeks and weeks and weeks going, has he started yet? Has he started yet? Has he started yet? Who is to know? All we know is he's no longer there. Been replaced by Bruce Pritchard, who, if you believe the rumour, has been doing it all along anyway. So... Content-wise, I doubt we shall see a change, but personnel-wise, Eric Bischoff is out, Bruce Pritchard is in. Uh, more news. We have. I'm going to go through all the free agents that we came... Remember, on, remember this? We had a draft this week. I know that Raw seems like a long time ago. It is actually taking me a while to get used to this huge gap now that we have between Raw and SmackDown. Uh, but we did have the second night of the draft this week. I will get into that as we go through Raw. But I just want to talk about uh, free agents on Raw. They picked up Noe Jose, Motorola, Ryder uh, and Hawkins, uh, the Iconics and Sarah Logan. Smackdown pick up Luke Harper, Cesaro, Drake Maverick, uh, Fire and Desire, and Dana Brooke, which kind of squashes the rumours of Cesaro heading to um, NXT. But it also does separate Cesaro and Paul Heyman, as Paul Heyman is the creative mind on uh, Raw. So if you listen to the podcast regularly, you'll know I'm a big fan of Cesaro, and I want him to be the world champion. Will that happen? Who is to know? Right now, not looking so great. Uh, let's head into Raw and SmackDown then. We start with Raw. Uh, the opening match is Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. It was going to be Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks, uh, but Sh- Sasha is injured, even though we see her on SmackDown later, even though she's a Raw superstar. Straight away, off the first week of this new... Uh, draft, brand split stuff, it's instantly being broken. We have Bray on Raw when he's supposed to be on SmackDown. We had Sasha on SmackDown when she's supposed to be on Raw. It's all over the place. Wait a minute, have I got that wrong? I have. Sasha's on SmackDown now, isn't she? Ignore everything I just said, apart from all the stuff I said about Bray. Bray was right, Sasha was wrong. Sasha is on uh, SmackDown, Becky is on Raw. That says the problem. I keep 
I can't, I can't get out of my head that Becky is on Raw and not SmackDown in the same way that I can't get out of my head that AJ is on Raw and not SmackDown because in my, they're, they're so suited to those brands and have been the faces of those brands for a long time that I'm getting messed up. So if I mess it up, I apologise, but hopefully we can carry on being the good friends that we are. Anyway, uh, Charlotte and Becky, number one uh, draft pick on the line between the two of them. Uh, I thought it was good. It's um, another match between these two. Uh, some would complain that these two have been facing off too much. I personally think they are good together. I liked it. I'm taking my jacket off. I liked it. It's another great match for them. Uh, the only criticism I could give was that it was another roll-up finish. We're seeing a lot of roll-up finishes as of late across the whole show. Uh, actually, both shows, Raw and SmackDown, we're seeing a lot of roll-up finishes uh, but I don't mind it. I don't mind it. It was a good match. Becky Lynch picks up the win and gets the first uh, draft pick in the second night of the 2019 draft. Just following on from what I said last week about this draft, I think this has been the worst draft they've ever done. Uh, if you look at drafts in the past, they've been exciting. There's been... Uh, surprises, returns, all that good stuff. Here, you're having Stephanie McMahon come out and read a piece of paper. I know it makes it feel more legitimate. I know it looks more sports-like, but it's boring as shit. It really is. Um, round uh, the draft pools. I understand why I did that. It's to keep USA happy and keep Fox happy, but it undermines your number one draft pick now. Because Becky was number one draft pick overall, is the story. But she was number one draft pick because all these other guys weren't eligible for that day. So it's very easy to win a race when you're the only one in it. Not saying that she was the only one in it, but that's the metaphor I'm going for here. Let's just get into this. Uh, night two, round one, Raw gets Rollins, SmackDown gets Brock, Raw gets Flair, SmackDown New Day, and Raw gets Andrade. Andrade going shockingly early I thought here uh, especially over lots of other guys that we'll get into later obviously he's a great talent but he hasn't really done anything since coming out to the main roster uh, our fears were confirmed with this round as Seth Rollins stays on Raw uh, as I said before the Fiend is over on Smackdown uh, we'll talk more about him later on but let's just cover the headline here they have got a rematch at Crown Jewel uh, they've announced that Seth is being pulled out of the Hogan and Flair match, and uh, The Fiend versus Seth Rollins will be full count anywhere with an extra subtext that they've added on to the SmackDown Live show. Uh, must not stop ever or something. They're stop for no reason. I can't remember the exact wording, but the match will never stop. Never ever. There must be a finish to this match. Obviously, this is referring to the backlash from that Hell in a Cell match that we spoke about last week. Uh, it's understandable why they have done this. The way that the way that it's meant to be is it must be won by pinfall or submission. The way it is interpreted by the world is that it will never ever stop. But um, I'm scared for this match. For multiple reasons. We discussed last week about what happens with uh, Bray and Seth being on separate brands. 
that has been confirmed this week to be true that Bray and Seth are going on separate brands. I hope that Bray gets moved across to Raw soon so we can have him win the title because now we're in the exact same position we were a few years ago with the House of Horrors match where we go into it knowing that he probably won't win because he's on the wrong brand. Uh, Well, he won the House of Horrors match so he didn't win the title because he's on the wrong brand. Um, Sorry, my headphones are messing up. This off scale is the worst. Right. um, It's not looking great for Bray. I feel we're going to have another bad finish where Seth will pin the Fiend but it will be under a forklift or under... He'll get... Something will be put on top of him and Seth will stand on that or something I feel will be the end. I don't... Not overly confident for this match. One second, I've got to... Go change my headphones, because these ones are awful. I'll be gone for a second, but you won't notice a thing. Right, we're back. We're back. Okay, I've got my other headphones on now. I I recently bought some Bluetooth headphones, because I've had these crappy headphones for such a long time, that I thought I need to get some half-decent headphones. I wanted to get Bluetooth ones, because I wanted to be really cool, so I did. But my laptop setup is not set up for Bluetooth, so I've got to put an aux cable in in order to get the audio through my headphones. But the old cable I've got is absolute shite, so it's all, all over the place. So I put the old headphones back in, but they're not as comfortable, and there may be an ever so slight bit of audio bleed, which you may not notice. You, I don't know why I'm talking so long about my headphones, but that's the headphone issue. Out of the way. Done. Let's move on. Raw. Um, so Andrade is the final pick of the first round, and he comes out right away. Uh, he is having a match now against Ali. Ali, at this point, has he been drafted? I don't care. I don't think so. Uh, they have a match together. Andrade does pick up the win, which is to be expected. He's just been picked in the first round. Ali still looked good. If If I remember correctly, it was a very quick match, so he didn't look that good. But you see, I feel WWE's booking, in many ways, is very counterintuitive. Because Ali will be picked as number one draft pick. Or, sorry, in the first round. Fifth pick of the first round. However you want to phrase it. He'll be this pick, so they're making him a big deal. But who is it that gets picked for the Team Hogan-Flair match later on? Ali is picked on Team Hogan. Andrade's nowhere to be seen in that match. So, I think. I'm going to double check he wasn't announced for it because I have not been paying attention. Crown Jewel 2019. Team Hogan, Team Yeah, Andrade's not on that match. So, yeah, Andrade made to feel like a big deal here getting the win over Ali. But then, when it comes to the big time to shine, he's not given this moment. And obviously we know how great he is. We've seen the matches he had against Ray. Fantastic stuff. Just give me a reason to care. Show, don't tell, is the thing I'm trying to put across here. Here you said, look at Andrade. What a wonderful athlete. And then you haven't shown me it. 
you've shown me he's a wonderful athlete, but you haven't shown me that he deserves my adulation in the same way that you have with Anali. Is my point I'm trying to put across? Maybe. Moving along, Raw Tag Team Championship match. Uh, we get Rudolph facing off against the Viking Raiders. This match was announced last week after that fantastic match between the two of them. Uh, I did think that this match between them was not as good as the match they had last week. Story very similar to the one last week where uh, Dolph and Rude really just know that they can't win and they're trying to look for cheeky ways to get out of it. I like it. I like the two teams. The Viking Raiders pick up the win and become new teams tag team champions very happy about this been a big fan of this team since uh xt since even before that when on the independent circuit as the war machine really like him i think they've got a great look and they're so amazing in ring especially when they put were really good teams fantastic stuff new champions can't wait to see where they go from here uh you can tell that wwe are really behind them and it's fantastic to see uh Dolph and Rude will be drafted to SmackDown later on. And as we would see on SmackDown this week, they still are a team together. Not sure where this is going, but you know what? We kind of poop- we kind of poo-pooed it when they were initially put together as a team, saying it was out of nowhere, all this kind of stuff. But I think they have been really good together. I thought the match here with the Viking Raiders has been good. I think if you look at all the matches they've had as a team, they've all been pretty solid. So I'm not going to complain about two good wrestlers having TV time or being a good team. It's all good stuff. Uh, up next we have Alistair Black versus Eric Young. Apparently I've missed some draft stuff. If I missed round two of the draft... Oh, it's just... I don't care. Right, round two of the draft was Raw get the Kabuki Warriors, SmackDown get Daniel Bryan, Raw gets Rusev, SmackDown gets the SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey. Raw gets Alistair Black. Round three was Raw gets Cedric Alexander. SmackDown gets Intercontinental Champion Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, Raw gets Humberto Carlillo. I'm not too sure. Uh, SmackDown gets R. Lee. Raw gets Eric Rowan, which would interestingly be... Um, we'd find out later when the free agent stuff popped up that Eric Rowan and Luke Harper have been separated again almost weeks after being put, in, being put back together. I don't like the idea, but... Vince doesn't like Luke Harper right now. So, we will see if we see him on TV again. Hopefully, yes, because he's very good. Right, back to Raw. Ali... Ali? No, Alistair Black versus Eric... Please keep on listening, I'm normally not this bad, I promise. Uh, Alistair Black versus Eric Young. Very dominant from Alistair Black. Very similar to the match he had against the Singh Rivers last week. Uh, puts him in this new submission, which is called The Dark Ritual. Nice little name there. Uh, instant tap out. Once again, just making us remember that Alistair Black is there, showing off this new submission move. It's all very good. Um, do something with him? I mean, this is better than what he's been doing for the last few weeks of... Sorry, the last few months of him sitting in a room and doing nothing, but... Yeah. We all know that Alistair Black, when he's put in ring, can convert anyone to be his fan, because he's just that amazing. So just let him do it. Let him do it. We get Ricochet versus Shelton Benjamin next. Uh, what is there to say? 
Um, you know, if you imagined in your head what a Ricochet Shelton Benjamin match would be in 2019, that's what it was. Ricochet picked up the win. There was another round of draft stuff. Round four, Buddy Murphy to Raw, Rudolph to SmackDown, Gender to Raw, even though you haven't seen him in literal months. Uh, Carmella to SmackDown, R-Truth to Raw, splitting up those two. Interesting move there. Seriously though, Jinder is a really interesting pick here because obviously he has the accolades that he has collected over the last few years of WWE Champion, United States Champion, wins over Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura and all these other big names. But... He hasn't been seen in a very long time. The Singh brothers have been seen more than him. I think the last time we saw him, he was chasing the 24-7 title. And that is a title that has been very much pushed to the wayside as of late. Uh, Jinder Mahal may have never been less relevant than he is right now during his entire WWE career. Even with 3MB, he was on screen more than he is now. And he is being picked above Small Joe, above The Miz, above Baron Corbin, above Rey Mysterio, above Chad Gable. Uh, there's The list goes on and on and on. So... The cynic in me says they still want to keep that Indian audience, which they obviously do because it's a fucking huge audience. But surely this is not the way to go about it. I, um, a while ago, for my education that I never finished, uh, I wrote an essay about the globalization of the wrestling industry, specifically looking at the WWE. It was an essay that I was very proud of and I worked really hard on and I didn't do too well on it because uh, I'm not very good at writing. But the idea was sound. The idea was sound. And there was a whole... This was like a 10,000-word essay. It was... I was very proud. You know, that's beside the point. There was a whole section on it on uh, the NXT expansion and the... uh, what was it that Triple H said? Local globalization stuff. There's a whole thing on that. And there's a whole section on the Saudi controversy and all that kind of stuff. But there was a big section in the middle about WWE's expansion into India. And I have touched on this on the podcast before, but it was about a year ago when we've grown quite a bit since then. So I thought I'd touch on it again. But Jinder's rise to power about. Well, about two years ago to now, I think he was WWE Champion. I think that's right. Um, His rise within the company perfectly coincided with WWE launching the network in India. Now, the thing about India is that as a country, it has come to the internet extremely late in comparison with the rest of the world. Obviously they've had the internet for the same amount of time, but giving it to the mass public has been hugely late. And you can look up graphs and stuff, and I don't have the direct numbers right here, but looking at percentage-wise, their exponential growth in terms of uh, population with access to the internet is unfounded anywhere else in the world at any point of time ever. 
the amount of people getting on the internet is rising and rising and rising. And obviously they're huge population. I think it's like at least a billion. I think it might be 1.9 billion people in India. I'm going to just fact check that. Give me one second. India population is 1.4 billion. So I was a few million off. But still, 1.4 billion people in India. And they're slowly all being given the internet. So not only have they got this huge percentage of uh, the population coming onto the internet, but that population is also fucking massive. So you're getting millions and millions of people being turned online every single day. So that has led to huge internet companies battling for that space in Indian online, uh, sorry, in the Indian online market, which any YouTube uh, fan will know of the stories of T-Series and PewDiePie, where you have PewDiePie, the king of YouTube, the number one guy, facing off against T-Series, who is this Indian-based YouTube channel uh, reposting Bollywood songs, I believe. I'm not, I'm not too sure. But it's the population of India versus the rest of the world, basically, with that story there. And the population of India has won. And Google own YouTube, and they push that very much in India. Uh, look at these guys. Look at the Indian stuff here. So if you can get your foot in the door early at this growth... In the online market, it will come back to you in a huge profit, which Google is probably seeing right now because T-Series are now the number one guys for YouTube. And I mean, does anyone outside of India religiously watch their stuff? I highly doubt it. There probably is. I don't have the statistics for that. But WWE also saw this, and they wanted to get their network in there at the same time. So... To coincide with the network launch in India and in the build-up to this big Indian tour that they did, they put the WWE title on Jinder Mahal, which annoyed the casual fan. The Indian people did treat him like a hero. Now, what they did over the next few months, I would say, could borderline be considered... Ethically wrong? Maybe. They copied a mark, not mark, a business practice that is seen every so often when a big Western company wants to become popular in mainly Asian countries. MTV did it when they launched MTV China. They take their product. And they rebrand it entirely around the country they want to launch in. So MTV launched MTV China. They completely rebrand everything. Big Chinese artists. WWE want to launch in India. They make their top guy an Indian superstar. Even though he's from Canada. But an Indian superstar. So the main face of the company is Indian. So when you have the initial look-in from that country, they can see it's all about them, which is exactly what they did. Then once they have them on board, they gradually reduce 
the amount of content from that country and replace it with the original content. MTV China slowly introduced more of the Western artists and reduced the amount of Chinese artists, and the same happened with WWE. As soon as they had captured that Indian audience, uh, Jinder lost the title to AJ, which I believe was the right move anyway, because AJ was the right guy at the time, most popular guy, but still, uh, AJ regains the title, and Jinder slowly drops down the card. He has the US title run from WrestleMania. He lost that the next day back into this scene where we never see him ever again. And we're back with the more traditional Western stars. We get the Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, JJ Styles like we had before because that audience has already been captured and they have been slowly, in quotation marks, brainwashed into the Western style of programming which we see. And this has been a long tangent here, and I'm not really too sure why, but that is why we saw the rise of Jinder Mahal a couple of years ago. And I guess the point I was trying to make here is giving him this big draft, well not big, but third round for someone who hasn't been seen on TV in a few months here, I feel is just still too appease that Indian fan base to say, look, we're still supporting your guy, even though they're visibly not. And this is a big theme that we've seen throughout this draft. If we look at Andrade in the first round, where he goes there to go, oh, look, he's still a big guy, but they don't use him. That seems to be a theme here. I'm not sure what the point I'm trying to make is, but I throw an awful lot of information at you, and I hope you enjoyed up next on Monday Night Raw, we get Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman signing the contract. Jerry Lawler is officiating. Gonna take a drink. Um, I'm not too sure here. Tyson Fury is becoming more and more comfortable with each passing second he is in this role, and he is charismatic. Uh, you can see that in just like the way he walks. There's nothing about him that screams nervousness or fear. The match will be entertaining. Not good, but entertaining. That's my prediction here. The two of them just kind of chat for a while. Braun smashes a table and then Fury snaps a pen. And he jokingly pretends he can't. I don't know. This is big, but I think, yeah, this is big for WWE, and it's big for Tyson Fury. Everyone comes out of this as a winner. Everyone walks away with a lot of money. Everyone walks away with a lot of exposure. The only ones who don't win are the fans. But if it had been, if it was any show that wasn't a Saudi show, the fans would win too. But... Once again, I'm talking about the Western fans. And actually, we're seeing the gender effect again to a much, 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 much lesser extent in Saudi Arabia with uh, Mansoor, I believe his name is, uh, the fella who was first introduced on the Greatest Royal Rumble show. He won the Battle Royal at the last Saudi show. He's got a match against uh, Cesaro at this Saudi show. We're seeing it. This is a hell of a lot smaller than the gender stuff. But it is the same again, I feel. Maybe. Although, because this Saudi stuff has a 10-year deal, I feel that it's a lot of a slower burn, but I would not be surprised if at the end of this 10-year deal, we're seeing that Mansoor character in the title position, maybe even winning the title at a Saudi show. 
Now, I would like to say at this point about the Saudi shows. Because a lot of the time when we discuss them, we come across with a point of view of like, oh, we hate them, they're awful, this kind of stuff. Now, I don't believe that. I'm trying to think of the best way to put this across. The Saudi shows, from an ent- from wrestling point of view, are bad shows. There has never been one that I've wanted to watch again. They are always entertaining shows. The problem lies with the controversy surrounding the Saudi, Arabi- Saudi Arabian government. Now, I don't want to get into too much detail here. Uh, if, you- if you're in the know, you're in the know. If you're not, good for you. But my thing here lies with the Saudi Arabian fans, of which yeah, this is proven there are a lot of. They deserve to see wrestling. The same way American fans do. The same way the British fans get to have their show uh, twice a year. Uh, Canadian fans, they have the Japanese tour. The fans of WWE in Saudi Arabia deserve to have... Deserve to go and see the shows, like everyone else does. And I feel that the hate that these Saudi shows get are awfully unfair on the fans from Saudi Arabia. Because we see from these shows that there obviously are passionate fans there. And when people hate on these shows, maybe it doesn't need to be explicitly pointed out, but it's nothing against the fans there. And it's more to do with the controversy surrounding that country. But then you can't help where you're from and all that. I don't know what. Once again, I'm not sure what point I'm trying to make here. But is the hate around the Saudi shows warranted? In a way, yes. But... Then again, it's it's, it's very much a double-edged sword. Because I do think that they should put on shows where there's people who are passionate for wrestling. But then I think the controversy comes from the relationship between the company and the government. That's what it is. Because I know that we have listeners to this podcast who are from Saudi Arabia. I've looked at the analytics and all that kind of stuff, and I can see that we have regular listeners from there. Not many, but some. And I feel we need to put the point across that the problem is not with the fans from Saudi Arabia. It's with something completely out of their control. Much like Britain right now. We're going through a big political thing and it's got nothing to do with me. I can't do anything to change it. I can just sit back and relax. I'm I'm going off point quite a bit this evening. But that's because it's currently 11 o'clock at night and I'm tired. Moving on, we have a uh, 205 Live uh, dream match. Two of the stars from 205 Live, Cedric Alexander, Buddy Murphy. We have seen this a few times before, if you are a 205 Live fan. Um, oh, we get another draft. Oh, bloody hell. Round 5, uh, Smojo Raw, SmackDown gets The Miz, Raw gets Akira Tozawa, SmackDown gets King Corbin, Raw gets Shelton Benjamin. Why would anyone pick Akira Tazara over Corbin? It doesn't make any sense. doesn't matter. Okay, yeah. Um, these guys are great. These guys are really good. And I know I'm not breaking any mould by saying this, but yeah, they're fantastic stuff. Uh, Buddy Murphy does pick up the win. 
this might be the first time he was he's been seen since that amazing match he had against Roman. Uh, hopefully, this means they're going to use him more and use Cedric more. Great stuff. Don't know what else I can add. If you're going to watch one match from this week, it's definitely that one. It's really, really good. Uh, Kabuki Warriors are out next, but not before we have a final draft. Shit. Uh, Raw gets Ray, Mysterio, uh, SmackDown gets Chad Gable, Raw gets Titus O'Neil, SmackDown gets Elias, Raw gets Liv Morgan. Happy that Liv Morgan is receiving the slimmest bit of television time, because I think she is wonderful. Raw, though. Kabuki Warriors now, uh, they come out and they're facing off against Natalia and a mystery opponent who is revealed to be the woman she's been feuding with over the past few weeks and months and years, Lacey Evans. Uh, She explains herself as um, Lacey has proved something to Natalia after the Falls Count Anywhere match that they had last week. And from there, they want a team now? I guess the explanation makes sense and there's been lots of times recently where WWE have done things and when asked for an explanation the character has just said I don't need to explain anything to you and we'll see this again later on with Bailey. she does this so in a way I'm glad that a story point was given the slimmest bit of explanation um does this make sense? Yes. But then again... When the Tag Team Championships were announced for the women's division, they were explained as being titles that we defended on Raw, SmackDown and NXT. I'm not sure if that rule still applies. If it does, this makes sense, because Lacey and Natalia are on separate brands. If that doesn't... Are these a proper team now? Because Lacey was on singles competition on SmackDown later this week. I think those two together work really well. I think it'd be good as well for Natalia to teach Lacey Evans, much like when Undertaker and Big Show were a team together, and uh, Big Show kind of learned from Undertaker. That was early on in Big Show's WWE career. So this can actually work really well for these two. But why not just put them on the same brand? I they make thing WWE, especially in the last like month or so, have been in a constant uh, state of just making things really difficult for themselves, putting themselves in these really stupid scenarios and having to figure it out for themselves. Like just don't book it that way and make it easy on yourself. It just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, these two face off against the women's tag team championship champions, sorry, of the Kabuki Warriors. And I thought this was actually a really good match. I'm loving the Kabuki Warriors right now. Asuka has this awesome new face paint to uh, add to the green mist stuff that she has going on at the moment with like uh, green droplets coming out of her eyes and her mouth. It looks sweet. It's amazing. Uh, Kairi Sane is still very much... Uh, the second fiddle of this tag team, especially now that they have given Asuka this big visual uh, finishing move. But, yeah, uh, once again, this match finished with a roll-up, 
Asuka rolls up Lacey Evans. Uh, the Kapu Kodos pick up the win. Non-title match. I thought it was strange to introduce a new team and instantly have them lose. Which makes me think that they're not a team. But why have this big presentation of, here's my tag team partner, if they're not going to be a team? I'm going to say the catchphrase of the show now. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm not sure what we're waiting to see. That's all I have to say. Oh dear. This match ends and we get a Firefly Funhouse. Uh, Bray's there with all the friends, all the lovely Firefly friends. And Seth Rollins has found the Funhouse. Which I thought was impossible. He promised to do it earlier on in an interview. But he has found it. Uh, He attacks Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt looks at him and says, Seth, why are you doing this? And Seth attacks him even more. Then Seth says he's going to burn it down. That's when he sets fire to the Firefly Funhouse. As we hear the overlaying voices of Rambling Rabbit and... Uh, Abby the Witch and Huskus the Pig and I'm not sure if Devil Vince what man was there but Mercy the Buzzard was there they're all screaming and begging Seth to stop and pleading and asking why have you done this Seth as Seth just watches as the fun house burns to the ground now lots of people got very upset about this and I can see for why because the Firefly Funhouse is amazing we're all aware of that and The Fiend is great and I think a lot of people have presumed that this is the end of that well I really don't think it is How many times have we seen Rambling Rabbit die? I think at this point it's five. I think the Firefly Funhouse will continue. And I actually think that this little piece here was amazing. Because if you take out of your mind that this may be the end of the Firefly Funhouse, which as I said, I, I don't think it will be. Bray has won here. He is in the head of Seth Rollins. Bray has been saying for months, 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 let me in. That's how he closes everything. Let me in. Seth has let him in. The Fiend is in the head of Seth Rollins. And no matter what the match outcome was in Hell in a Cell, Bray is the winner of this storyline as to this point. The fact that Seth has had to go to this point means that Bray is winning. Now, the payoff for this story will come at Crown Jewel or maybe Survivor Series or maybe whatever. And then we can criticise it all we like. But as of right now, I think this is good storytelling. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that. And I think a lot of people are seeing this as the end instead of another chapter. And I think if you look at it that way, this is fine. 
people get very upset about wrestling over the most minute things. And I think this is just a really good story. And I There's been a lot of points this evening that I've been trying to make. But I'm not sure what my point is. This may be a combination of tiredness or vodka or uh, a plethora of other things. But my main point here is I think this is a good story. And I think next week we'll see the Firefly Funhouse return, or maybe even the week after that. Who knows? But actually, Crown Jewel's a week on Thursday, so. Now we've got two Raws, so maybe the week after. Who's to know? But you've got to think that if you burn down the Firefly Funhouse, you're going to really piss off the Fiend. But then the question comes, will WWE have a world title change at a Saudi Arabia show? Because up until this point, as far as I can remember, there has never been a title change on any Saudi Arabia show. Apart from, on the first Saudi show, when Bray and Matt Hardy won the Raw Tag Team titles, but they had been vacated before that. So they were kind of winning them from nobody. And there has never been a title change from one person slash team to another person slash team. The way it's going, I could potentially see two world title changes at Crown Jewel 2019... If it wasn't a Saudi Arabia show, that's probably what I would be predicting right now. But I just... There's no precedent for this. I don't know what to do. It's so... Ugh. I'm excited for this show because it's gonna be so weird. A pay-per-view on a Thursday. Wow. Yowie wowie. Smackdown. Friday Night Smackdown now. We open up Roman Reigns versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, the, one of the two things that was actually advertised uh, for this show. I really saw Roman picking up the title here. He does not. Uh, there is a DQ finish. Uh, Baron Corbin hits Roman with the scepter. Uh, before that, the match between the two of them were actually very good. These guys have great chemistry together. I mean, the the rumble that Shinsuke won, when it's those two last in the ring, the drama in that match is incredible. I remember watching it live and nearly having a heart attack whilst watching it. These two work so well together. And if there's a way we can have a program between these guys, I think it could be really good. But yeah, uh, the match ends in a DQ, sets up the... Uh, tag match for the main event which will be Shinsuke and Corbin versus Daniel Bryan and uh, Roman Reigns Daniel Bryan comes down to make the save for Roman Reigns but he gets beaten down as well. It's an interesting way to start the show. Um, I hope that we get to see Shinsuke and Roman again maybe for the Intercontinental title Uh, I'm loving that Roman is getting such a positive reaction 
Now, um, after, obviously, he had all the stuff with his leukemia, and when he came back, he had such an amazing reception, and I really thought that for a few months afterwards, he would just go back to the way he was before, but I'm so happy to see how accepting the fans are of him now, and I'm sh- I don't know if the hardcore fans are ready for another world title reign of his, but I think... Uh, if you put that Intercontinental title on him and put him in some really strong programs, I think that could do wonders, not only for him, but for that title in general. There isn't many... Uh, I don't think there's a better place Roman can be in than where he is right now. But the Intercontinental title has uh, fallen from grace, let's say, in the last year. I mean, if we look at the last few champions, uh, we've got Shinsuke now, who is doing stuff right now, but has been kind of on and off for a while. Finn really did nothing for the title at all. Then we had Lashley, who had it, who really was not good. Then Lashley had beaten Ambrose, and Ambrose had that awful heel. Well, the heel turn was good, but then that stuff afterwards was... oh. Oh dear. And then before that was the Seth and Dolph stuff, which was incredible. If you look at the position, the Intercontinental title main evented a pay-per-view when it was in the hands of Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler. And to now see where it is, around about a year and a bit later, is shocking. So, I think, put that on Roman. We're back where we need to be. Maybe. Let's move on through uh, SmackDown. We have Chad Gable versus Curtis Axel. As you would expect, this did not last very long. Chad Gable defeats Curtis Axel, but then we have an after-match interview between him and Caleb Braxton where they discuss the uh, Shorty Gable nickname given to him uh, in by the... King of the Ring, King Corbin. And Gable gives a inspiring promo here, uh, speaking to all the members of the WWE Universe to say that, look, he might be short, but he's not going to let it define him, he's going to win, and that people should look for power within themselves and overcome and bullies are bad and you can be whatever you want to be and you know what, he was given this nasty nickname but he's going to embrace it and he's going to be the change he wants to see in the world and it was very inspiring and the crowd got behind him and at the end of the promo he says, look, you're going to call me Shorty Gable, how about we shorten that? I'm Shorty G, and the rumours that we heard from a few months ago have now been fully confirmed as Chad Gable makes his full transition into Shorty G. Now, the people of the internet hate this with a fiery passion uh, due to the fact that they see Chad Gable as a very legitimate superstar, very talented wrestler, which of course he is. And they see the Shorty G name as a black mark, as a smudge against him. Which I don't think it is. It's just a name. It doesn't matter. I mean, he is shorter than everyone else. That's a fact. 
would you prefer it if he was called Chad Gable and he wasn't on television? Because that's what he's been doing for the last year. Surely it is better for him to be on TV every week and winning every week and being called Shorty G than him to be nowhere and called Chad Gable. That's the position I come from. Because, once again, this comes down to, much like the Bray stuff, it's just storytelling. This is not the end of Chad Gable. The story doesn't go, and then he said he was Shorty G. The end. This is not, This is the start. Eventually, he will be called Chad Gable again. It's obvious that eventually he will return to his name. But right now he's Shorty G. And right now he is uh, winning. He is a crowd favourite. Not just the hardcore fan, but the casual fan as well. Seems to be coming in his favour. He'll probably get a t-shirt now with Shorty G on it. If you go out and buy that, he'll become more successful this is a very good thing for Chad Cable, Shorty G. So, you know what? Get behind it. Listen to what he's saying. If you see Vince McMahon as this awful dictator bully, do what Chad Gable says. Take that nasty nickname he has given it and make it your own. From now on, I shall only refer to Chad Gable as Shorty G. Because if we make it a little in-joke for us... It's no longer bullying. Maybe. We'll move on now. Got a big old tag match. It's the New Day in Heaven Machinery versus the Revival and Rudolph. Now, we love Heaven Machinery here on the IWO podcast, as we also do love uh, the New Day and the Revival. Ziggler and Rude were also in this match. I never realised how much I wanted to see Otis and Big E together. But my god, they are wonderful. It is a, a wonderful thing to see. you got to love it. And the New Day and Heavy Machinery do pick up the win here. Um, I'm not sure the point of this match, but I really enjoyed it. WWE are really good at putting on these big multi-man tag team matches. And here... It was all about the baby faces. It was all about the New Day, all about heavy machinery. And it was good. It was really good. Go back and watch that. I think that might have been one of the highlights of SmackDown. Alongside the next thing, the Miz TV. Uh, the guest is Bailey and Sasha Banks. Last week, we saw Bailey turn heel, killing the Bailey Buddies and regaining the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um. Miz on fire here. Uh, he asked Bailey for an explanation. She says she does not owe him an explanation, which is WWE talk for we're not too sure why they turned heel. We saw the same thing with Ambrose. Thankfully, later on, we will get an explanation. Miz kind of provokes Bailey, saying, Is it because you are constantly seen as second fiddle to Sasha Banks? Is it because uh, afterwards, after Hell in a Cell, you were just seen as. This little loser, all this kind of stuff. And um, Bailey then explains. Um, what was that? 
uh, Bailey explains her actions. She says, after she lost the title to Charlotte at Hell in a Cell, she was left heartbroken. And she was crying in the ring. And not one fan tried to console her. Not one person backstage tried to give her a hug. And she's been trying to spread this message of love and happiness and hugs for all these years. And it was all pointless. She tried to be an inspiration and she tried to be what she thought people wanted her to be. And now she's going to be what she really is. She says, you want some inspiration? And then she uses one of my favourite Vince McMahon quotes. Life sucks and then you die. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought this was really good from Bailey. Sasha Banks was also there. Miz was good here too. And two out of three ain't bad. Nikki Cross comes out. Um, she has a microphone in her hand. And she says, the time for talking is over. The time for action is now. And she is interrupted by the official women's wrestler of the IWO podcast, Dana Brooke. And she says, you want to talk about overlooked people. You want to talk about underutilized people. You're looking at her. Dana Brooke. And then she says her new catchphrase, which is, You want some flex appeal? Yeah. And then she encourages the crowd to all start flexing. I know you can't see it right now, but I'm I'm flexing for Dana Brooke. Because I honestly do think Dana Brooke is one of the most hardworking people in WWE, and I think she's very good. And if you cast your mind back through a few months ago, she jumped off the top of a ladder on a Raw match for no reason. She's trying hard, and I think she's great. I'd buy her t-shirts if there was one. Lacey Evans then enters. This is all leading into a six-pack challenge to determine the number one contender for the women's title. Uh, It is... Dana Brooke, Nikki Cross and Lacey Evans but you also get uh, Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose and Carmella in there as well everyone for herself but as you would expect uh, Fire and Desire kind of team up and dominate a lot of the match I was not a huge fan of this match I'm normally quite a big fan of the six man uh, matches or the multiple person matches anything from triple threat onwards because you kind of get the greatest hits from everyone. Someone will take a rest as someone else hits their signatures and and finishes. But this one is, I don't know. Didn't really uh, work for me here. At the end of it, um, Nikki Cross hits the neckbreaker on Mandy Rose and gets the win. Uh, which I'm a big fan of, like Nikki Cross. Uh, I'm interested to see where this goes. I guess the obvious direction would be a feud, well obviously we're going to get a feud between Bailey and Nikki Cross but Sasha Banks on Bailey's corner uh, Alexa on Nikki's I think that could be kind of interesting I don't see Nikki Cross winning here especially with Bailey's uh, new character but I think nonetheless this could be an interesting story especially with the story and message that Cross and Bailey have been putting across over the last few weeks and months of acceptance and difference and all this kind of stuff. Meeting with Bailey's new message of go fuck yourself. 
I think this could be interesting. I look forward to it. Uh, we get Braun Strowman versus Drew Gulak now. I'm very happy to see Gulak, Gulak sorry, on um, a main show. And once again, he brings back the PowerPoint that we saw uh, on 205 Live. Don't see a lot of it. He does cut a promo before the match, or he tries to. He's done a 345-slide PowerPoint presentation on the tactics of which uh, Braun Strowman should take against Tyson Fury in order to win his match. But Braun doesn't want to hear any of it. He attacks uh, Drew Gulak, hits the running power slam, and gets the win. Uh, I hope we see more Drew Gulak. I hope we see more PowerPoint presentations because he will instantly become one of the most popular guys on the TV show, even if he loses every week because he's that charismatic and that good. Uh, obviously, Braun needed to dominate here because of the big match he's got coming up. Um, let's just talk about that for a minute. Because Braun's going to lose. Like, 100% is going to lose. And I have a little theory. It's based on a theory that I had a few weeks ago now on the podcast. Where I said the 24-7 title needs to evolve. Right now, the 24-7 title has become nothing. It was one of the main staples of uh, Raw and SmackDown. Uh, like, especially if you look at Raw Reunion, that was 24-7 title, the movie. And now it's just, we haven't seen it since Hell in a Cell. So we've had four different shows where we haven't seen it. The rumours are that it's a Raw exclusive title, and with our truth being drafted to Raw, it will look that way too. But my new theory involves it being moved to SmackDown, because I think uh, Braun will get knocked out, quotation marks there, knocked out, uh, by Tyson Fury at Crown Jewel. And I think after that loss, he should pick up the 24-7 title and become the monster among men again, instantly like that, by just beating everyone. Just beating the ever-loving shit out of everybody. And then you can have, down the road, someone like, for example, a Samoa Joe, say, actually, I'm going to try and beat you for that. And you have a little feud between those two, anywhere, any place, any time type thing, of just these two badasses ripping each other apart for that title. And I think that'll bring a not legitimacy, but a respect back to Braun after he loses this match because there's no way he's going to win. Uh, we're going to the main event now. It's Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan versus King Corbett and Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, the main point of this match, Bryan and Reigns pick up the win, and the main point of this is basically we are along this slow journey to the face turn of Daniel Bryan. At this point, he is face... But he hasn't had that moment. And we're in a very strange position right now because Daniel Bryan uh, probably will not be on the Saudi Arabia show. He doesn't appear on them ever since the second one. He has decided to pull out of them. Uh, So I imagine he won't be on this one. And we're building up to the moment where he accepts the yes movement again. He starts doing the yes chant and all this kind of stuff. And that moment will come, I imagine, maybe after the the SmackDown after the Saudi show or even the pay-per-view after that or whatever. So we're building to that. We don't want to pull the trigger too early and we don't want to build a story towards Saudi Arabia. So Daniel Bryan's in this weird place but we need to use him every week because he's a big star. 
it's an interesting one, but I quite like the slow build to a face turn. We never see that. We never see this. We always see a slow build to a heel turn. We see small hints and all this kind of stuff. So it's good to subvert that. This match in general was pretty good, but pretty basic at the same time. It was basically the faces doing their signature stuff and the crowd getting behind it. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, I clipped my fingers there. <laughs> so... Maybe Brian will go and get the Intercontinental title. That'll be really good, actually. If maybe the the SmackDown after Saudi Arabia, we have Shinsuke versus Brian for the IC title, and that's where Brian wins the Intercontinental title and re-welcomes the Yes Movement into his life in one fail swoop, and that's the moment. There's the money. We've done it, everyone. We found the money. And we found the money, and we found the end of SmackDown Live. Now, normally I'd ask James which show won, who was Wrestler of the Week. But for me this week, both shows lacked everything. I missed something out from SmackDown. Um, Roman Reigns is now the team captain of Team Hogan after Seth had to pull out because of the match with Bray. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. Fine, cool, whatever, don't care. Um, I thought Raw and SmackDown were pretty equal this week. I would actually maybe give SmackDown the edge because Raw had the draft and it was dreadfully boring and dominated the entire show. So SmackDown was the best show of the week because it didn't have the draft on it. Uh, when it comes to Wrestler of the Week... Oh... I really do not know. Maybe Daniel Bryan? Um, who else is there that did quite well this week? Um, wow. It should not be this difficult. To be fair, it's not normally my job to do this. Tempted to give it to Dana Brooke, yes, for appearing on television. I'm gonna give it to Daniel Bryan, but I want him to know, and I know he's listening, that he won it by forfeit of everyone else. By default, he won Wrestle of the Week because no one else stood out. It's been a bad week, and I think we're gonna have another bad week next week. And I think we're going to have another bad week after that. But then, we're on the build of Survivor Series. And we shall pick up. And even if next week is a bad week, you never have a bad week on the IWO podcast. So join us again next week, when James will return, and all normality shall be resumed. Remember to follow us on Twitter, at IWO Podcast, and follow me on Twitter, at the RCB, I'm also available on Instagram and YouTube. It's all a good time. So until next week, remember you're a womble. And goodbye. <laughs>